Good evening. You are listening to Weird Distractions with Alex and Christy. My name is Lloyd Warrington, the chief engineer of Mask. The Ministry of Augmented Something Something, and a K. Or perhaps you know me as the host of Down to Folk, a podcast documenting little-known tales of lore and legend that never really existed. This is not an advertisement, nor an endorsement for Down to Folk. Nor will I mention that they can be found online at dtfstories.com. Need a distraction? You just got one. From a secret government agency no less. How very on brand. to a Weird Distractions podcast, CMP podcast crossover. It's Alex from Weird Distractions podcast talking right here, right now. And I am with Christina from the CMP podcast. Thank you so much for joining. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to finally be here. (laughs) So pumped. Unfortunately, Christy couldn't join us because homegirl is working like a motherfucker. So uh, it's just Grinding, yes, totally grinding. Uh, But before we dive into our paranormal story for today, Christina, what is your need for a distraction? My need for a distraction is this, you know, this past year, sometimes I just need to be like, I'm turning all of my electronics off. I just need to pretend the outside world doesn't exist and I'm going to go and meditate or something because... Sometimes I need it. (laughs) Fair enough. Yeah, 2021, I think I've said this before, 2021 is 2020 just on steroids. Dude, literally. I feel like every day or two days we're hearing about something crazy. And that's why I follow, like, on my personal page, I follow a bunch of, like, good news kind of newscasters. So, like, throughout the week, they're, like, talking about the bad shit. But on, like, Sundays, they're like, we're just going to talk about the good stuff that's going on. So we can remember it's, like, sometimes not as shitty. But yeah, it's, fair it's, enough. Like, they're, it's just always talking about shitty stuff. <laughs> I know it's so hard too because our brains are so wired and hyper focused to focus on the negatives because it's such a mm-hmm. safety thing. But at the end of the day, we don't realize how much weight we carry based off of all yeah. that negative news we get. So I totally feel that. I would have to say the same. I, I honestly, this week has been a really weird week. I feel like very heavy with everything going on yeah. and with the like outward the outworld, the outer world, as well as like my personal life and everything else. So definitely need a distraction a thousand times over. Uh, And can you tell us actually, before we dive in, can you tell our listeners um, a little bit about your show? Yeah, of course. So it's a true, it's kind of a true crime podcast slash paranormal podcast. Um, We do paranormal powwows, which we read it's just me. I say we when it's just like, it's just me on the mic, <laughs> um, where we read some paranormal stories from Reddit. And then I also do like true crime cases. I've been obsessed with true crime before I can even remember. Um, and it's just one of those things I always wanted to do because I felt like sometimes 
some of the true crime podcasts I was listening to, they kind of forget that these are people's like real lives yeah. and this happens to people. Like, yeah, it's like, oh my God, like we're reading about it and it's one thing you're like, that's terrible. But until you're in it, you never fully understand what someone's going through. And I feel like sometimes a lot of podcasters and documentary makers and a bunch of, they just like lose sight of that and kind of try and emulate these killers or rapists or whatever they are and to me it's like we got to take the focus away from that and more towards the victim so sometimes we talk about things that we feel could help kind of society especially like you said within the past couple weeks um with the woman that was walking home from work in England and was unfortunately killed and it I liked the fact that on social media and stuff people were kind of looking at it like let's kind of forget about this quote-unquote jackass and Mm -hmm. let's focus on how we can make women more comfortable um because there's men and women are always victims of crimes but there is more of a focus on women just because of we're tiny like for the most part if woman next to a man they're obviously going to go for the woman first if she's smaller than that and no one really focuses as much anymore as far as like the victims and what we can do for the victims and like how we can avoid these stories from happening again not just reading the stories you know exactly exactly no and it's it's so true in the sense of women are constantly being told well if you didn't wear that or if you didn't Mm -hmm. go out at night it's like I'm sorry I'm a fucking human being I will wear whatever I want I will go out whenever I want I will do whatever the hell I want that is no excuse for somebody else's poor choices and shitty yeah. decisions, right? So yeah. it's it's huge. And I can say, honestly, after listening to your episodes, you do do a really great job at focusing on the victims. It's not just, oh, like, look at this serial killer, this, that, and the other. Like, this is all about him, which, yeah. yes, obviously, we want to take note of who this person was that committed the crime. Mm-hmm. But we also want to shine a light on the victims because their voice is gone, right? Yes. Like, they, they're not... They're not really able to speak for themselves. Meanwhile, we have Buddy Guy in jail, you know, still sitting there wanting to write a memoir, right? Like Exactly. Oh, I, I, that grinds my gears oh. when I see that someone's coming out with a book. Like, I don't get me wrong. I think we can 100% learn, like, talking to these people, psychologists, detectives. We can learn a lot from these people. It's like how to see the signs, but I don't want to see you releasing a book and trying to profit off the fact that you killed Hell someone. no. Exactly. Like, no, so thank I fully, you. Like when I see families like outraged by that, I'm like, yes, take them to court, sue the shit out of them because that <laughs> it's just once again, stroking their ego. Cause they're like, all right, well now I'm going to profit off. Like that's, I think that's even worse. That's terrible. terrible. Exactly. Exactly. But it's, it's just a reminder that yes, you know, we, as much as people try to be good people, we're we're trying, but there are some really shitty people that just decide to make they it, it. They just don't get it. And okay. we have to stop. I mean, yes, we have to try and understand these people and how we can prevent or help them or whatever before instance happens or whatever. But in the same breath, it's like, fuck that guy. <laughs> you know? Dead ass. Hundred percent. Right on a t-shirt. <laughs> exactly. So if you're ready, I think yeah. it's time for us to get distracted. Uh, and yeah. although we're not focusing on true crime today, we're going to be talking about a paranormal hotspot in Ontario, California. I'm so I think <laughs> on like the West Coast from where yes. you are, right? Okay. Yeah. Awesome. All right. So 
today we're going to be talking about the Graeber Olive House, uh, which is located approximately 35 miles west of LA in Ontario, California. Uh, It's been famously known as a family-ran olive business since 1894, which sounds old. (laughs) Literally a hundred years before my birth. So I'm like, there was a time. Yeah. Right? (laughs) So as you may have probably already Imagine this place is super haunted. Uh, It's located at 315 E 4th Street, Ontario. Um, Before we dive into the spooky stuff, though, we obviously have to talk about the history. And just a little snippet, we may be talking about some uh, olives in this little little (laughs) podcast. I'm not a big olive person. I'm just going to say that right here, right now. Okay, cool. (laughs) Me either. My boyfriend loves them. And so, like, sometimes when we order out and we get olives in the salad, I'm like, you can have all of these. I'm good. But then I love olive oil. I'm like, it makes no sense. I know. It makes no absolutely no sense. But it's, I don't know, there's some weird science behind it, I'm sure. (laughs) So... The Graber Olive House uh, was started with Cliff C. Graber back around 1892. The then 20-year-old Cliff and his brother Charles had had reportedly moved out to California from Indiana. One source said it was due to unspecified health reasons. Not really sure what the health reasons were, but it was only in one resource, which I'm always like... Take it with a grain of salt. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So when Cliff originally purchased the then 10-acre lot, he apparently originally thought about growing citrus trees since citrus was like a booming business. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's California. Of course. (laughs) It's booming. However, according to some things I've read and watched, Cliff became more interested in the olive trees that were located on the property. So apparently there were already a couple of olive trees on the property that he was like, not really planning on doing olives, but they were there and he was like, let's see what we can do with this. (laughs) Opportunity strikes with olive trees. What what can we say? Right? No. So he, Cliff apparently would kind of go around and ask for advice from his neighbors, what have you on how to curate the olives. But eventually he just kind of started fiddling around with his own methods and bada bing, bada boom, an olive small business was born, so to speak. Wow. They dropped in his lap and they were like, here you go. Here's what you're going to yeah. do for your life. Which I wish that would happen to me at some point. Minus the olives, because once again, can't do it. But no. Just like a small business, just drop into your drop, lap. Just drops into your lap. It's perfect when that happens. I feel like you always hear in like the old days, like stuff like that happening, and like nowadays, it's like I don't, I don't really know. <laughs> how, how how does one elder millennial get that opportunity? Right? How do how do I do that? I don't know. How do you make this work? (laughs) The family business, of course, started very small because it's a family business. Usually they start off really small. Uh, Slowly things started to take off. According to the Graber Olive House website, a year or so after he started producing the olives, he was having to increase his supply to the demand from the community. So grocery stores, family, friends, friends of family, people from out of town. Oh, yeah. Everyone wanted these fucking olives. Like everyone was like, whatever you're doing, Cliff, keep it up. <laughs> they're working. Yeah. They're, <laughs> they're delicious. They're, yes, this is this is working. This is great. Um, so in 1905, Cliff would go on to marry Georgia Bell No. And that's not like N-O, it's like N-O-E. Oh, okay. <laughs> I <could also laughs> Just N-O. <laughs> Georgia Bell No. She's a no. <laughs> no. No. Uh, the two would go on to have two sons, Robert and William. 
the two sons, Robert and William, would go on to take over the family business from their father in 1943 during World War II. I'm not sure if Cliff went off to war. I'm kind of assuming maybe, but yeah. then again, Depending not really. The because the draft was, I think you had to be under 50. Yeah. And he- go. Like you you could be like I think it was seventeen to fifty is the draft. And if you're yeah. over fifty, they don't bring you. I mean and that's because- fair. Yeah. That's totally fair. Right? They have like a seventy year old on the battlefield. You're like, what are they gonna do? I'll be there in a second. Just give me one moment. Just give me one second. Everyone protect grandpa over there. Like and- <laughs> I feel like that way, like, if I was ever drafted, that would also be me, though. I'd be like, can you give me, like, ten minutes? I'm right, just like, I need to catch my breath. <laughs> I'm so fucking winded from getting off the boat. You have no idea. Like, <laughs> You're like, why are we climbing up this hill? <laughs> can't we just, like, call it a tie at this point? <laughs> right, right. I have a white flag in my backpack. <laughs> I've come prepared. <laughs> I've come prepared to already say I'm done. Just surrender. <laughs> I'm, I'm all for it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I should mention that in the 30s, the Graber Olive House would do some upgrades of machinery around the property, a lot of which is still used and stands to this day. So that's pretty wow. That's fascinating. They must have yeah. really good machines. because Definitely, because to survive all this... A lot of shit has happened. <laughs> right? Uh, so even though he was considered to be retired... Cliff would go on and spend a lot of time at the Olive House until his death in 1955. So, yeah, he must have been fairly old, like, fairly old in the 40s, I would assume. Yeah, in World War II, definitely. So, yeah, no, he probably didn't go. And, unfortunately, I don't have his date of birth, so I don't really know. We don't really know. know We don't know how old you are. (laughs) Exactly. Or his astrological sign, which is highly important. Definitely. You gotta read the birth chart. Exactly. (laughs) So Robert, one of the sons, and his wife Betty had a son also named Cliff, a.k.a. Cliff II, a.k.a. Cliff Jr., a.k.a. Cliff number two, uh, (laughs) who is now actively taking care of the business. So... The company has seemed to remain in the family since the beginning, over roughly 127 years. Jesus. But Uh, that's like like a great flex, though. Like, you're like, I run, we have a business that's 127 years old. And I'm like, that's freaking cool. Could you imagine just, you know, introducing yourself and be like, oh, yeah, like, I work at Olive Graver House. And they're like, oh, what's your last name again? And you just kind of, like, shake your hair to the side. You're like, Like, Graver. Graver. <laughs> and they're like the, uh, like the graver, and you're like, yeah, the yeah. graver. <laughs> you would have to have license plates and sweaters, anything where you could just Embroidered have like everything. 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 As far everything. as everyone knows, you know my last name. <laughs> yeah, it's just tattooed on your forehead at that rate. Definitely. And an article for the South Ontario News by Cheryl Whitman back in March of 1991. Mora, who is like Cliff Jr.'s uh, wife, had shared that many of the employees were, at the time of the article, second generation, meaning that either those employees' parents maybe worked at the Olive House and found themselves working there. In the same article, she shared how then 92-year-old Edna Bockstein had been with the company since 1925 and was the first non-family-related employee. That Isn't is, you better give me a good retirement fund for me to still be yes. working there as 92 years old. Can you, you have to really like what you're doing. Exactly. Well, and that's, I think that gives kind of a testament to 
how great this place must be to work for and like the family yeah. and the environment, right? Because if it was shit, I don't think Edna would be sticking around. Right, she- Edna would have gotten the hell out of Dodge. <laughs> exactly. So pre-COVID, the business used to offer various tours around the grounds where they would be, like, they would kind of teach people how they would curate the olives, how everything kind of went. Like, it was oh, really... Cool. It's kind yeah. of like a winery almost. Exactly. But, like, for olives. <laughs> I mean, you could probably drink the olive oil because they do sell olive oil. But, I mean, That's it's true. not... Not, oh, not get some good bread going. Oh, oh. chef's kiss. So yeah. good. Oh, oh God. fuck me up. Now, right? I, want, now I want that so Give bad. Give me all of it. Exactly. Uh, I even saw at one point when I was looking at their website and just like th- kind of skimming articles that I think they used to have like Halloween walking tours, which I'm also here for. And I think they also used to host weddings. So you could like have your wedding on the property. Yeah. Well, I think we have to make a trip. Exactly. Well, a thousand percent. Lift up that COVID. Sign me. Let me get, give me my permission slip. (laughs) Yeah. Lift up that border. Damn it. Cause we have some places to go to. Right. So uh, they also have a gift shop and you can order things online through their website, which I think is really cool. Um, Speaking of the famous olives, cause I mean, this is this is an olive podcast now. We're getting <laughs> we're getting to that point where we're we are slowly... getting to that we are olive connoisseurs now. <laughs> exactly. Uh, there was there was a, an article or sorry a YouTube video that I watched uh, called the Inland Empire Explorer. One of the workers had claimed that back in 2014 they had harvest harvested anywhere from 50 to 150 tons of olives that year. That's a lot of fucking olives. That's a lot of fucking olives. <laughs> That's a lot. That's, oh God. I don't even know if I could be around that. Like the smell I know. of all of those olives. Right? I, <sighs> like like once, once again, olive oil is great. Yeah, love it. The smell though, con- like 150 tons of just olives and the smell of that, I don't know if I could handle. No. But then, like, part of me is like, okay, like, what's so good about these olives, though? Because everyone was ranting and raving about them. So it's like, do we try someone with it? Like, are we missing something we don't know about? That's what I'm thinking, right? I think we need to try these freaking olives. (laughs) Try these freaking olives. Uh, For those who are dying to know uh, how Graber Olive House does what they do with their olives, I'm going to break down based off of a YouTube video that I watched, once again, the Inland Empire Explorer. So for starters, the olives are apparently grown on an 88-acre ranch near Bakersfield. According to the YouTube video, sometime in 1920, Cliff ended up selling or not being able to afford part of the land, which was bought by somebody else. I don't really know the specifics. It just, once again, it was one of those things that was kind of like mentioned in a video. And I kept like having to replay. I'm like, hey, but why? And there wasn't really. (laughs) But you're not answering my question. (laughs) Yeah. Like, excuse me, sir. Sir, do you see my hand? I don't know. What can you, can you explain it further? No one answered. No one answered. (laughs) <laughs> so, so the the olives are harvested on a different property in Bakersfield, and then eventually, by mid October, the olives olives are harvested and brought to the original site to be cured and canned. In the grading room, the olives are inspected over with the not great ones being hand picked out. So, like they are literally hand picking out the not so great that's for. That's like so specific. 
Yeah. You don't hear much about like hand labor like that anymore when it comes to stuff. Usually it's like a conveyor belt and like some machine is checking it. So the fact that they're still doing it by hand is pretty impressive too. Exactly. And then after that, they go through a sizing machine. I, I didn't really get into the nitty gritty details, so I'm I'm not sure what exactly it is, but I can tell you that the sizing machine is the original one from 1934. So that's pretty, pretty wicked. Yeah. Afterwards, they go into the vat room, which boasts 550 concrete vats that hold the olives within what, like within like a water and coarse salt mixture. Is that how they make olive oil? I'm wondering. I don't like, know. Like, is like, do they like drain it out and like that's olive oil? I don't know how to make oil. No, I and I'm wondering. They, I would assume you'd have to like crush the the actual olives. Yeah. But maybe they use the water after the fact to, like, give it more. Oh. They didn't have a video for that, so. We need the videos, guys. You need to follow up with them. <laughs> they need to make some videos. After the, after this recording, going to go have, like, a deep dive into how to make olive oil. You're, like, YouTubing the video. You're, like, how do they make olive It's, like, the, don't they have a show where it's, like, how it's made or something? Yeah. They have an olive episode. Maybe. I've never watched it, so maybe... You're gonna watch, we're going to become literal olive connoisseurs and never taste an olive. <laughs> exactly. We, like I've said before, this is slowly becoming an olive podcast. Just you, just you <laughs> fucking... podcast it. coming to you soon. <laughs> With just olives, and just it's just olives. you and me. Just you and me being like, do we eat it? Do we try it? I don't know. You do it first. No, you do it. Exactly. <laughs> So uh, the olives will stay in the vats for about three weeks, being stirred several times a day during those three weeks. Once a day, a staff member will pull a cork from the base of the vat so that the water can be drained. And then the olives will then be rinsed off and refilled with new water and salt. After those three weeks, the olives get poured out and inspected again before being canned. And based on the video from everything that I've kind of saw they do the labeling and the packaging on site so they do it all oh they do everything they're a they're a one-man machine exactly so once again welcome to our all of podcast thank you (laughs) thank you for tuning in um in all all serious though seriousness though um before we dive into the ghosts I do want to shed a quick light on some spooky adjacent things that are probably going to come up. Well, they are going to come up uh, later on. So for starters, there's a local legend that apparently a former worker died by suicide on the property when Uh Ghost Adventures did talking about how great it seems to work there. And they're like, by the way, someone also killed themselves at work. You're like, oh, yeah, by the way. (laughs) Oh, okay. This is totally normal. When Ghost Adventures did their investigation on the property, which, yes, we'll be discussing their episode at length, uh, they weren't able to find any information confirming or denying that this ever took place. So once again, it's kind of a little bit of local lore where there wasn't yeah. anything definitive. She said, she said telephone game. Exactly. Exactly. And because it's been around since, what, 1894, it's probably been passed down from generation to generation. Yeah. They did acknowledge, uh, and by they, I mean the Ghost Adventures crew, that there was a tribe that once lived on the land called the Gabrieleno tribe. It also goes by the Tong- Tonva tribe or the Gabrieleno Tonva tribe. So it kind of goes either or. I think it's more commonly known as the Tonva tribe. But anyway, so according to the Tonva people website, the tribe were 
very earth-based and often uh, resided near the Los Angeles River, the Gabriel River, Santa Ana River, and other water-based areas in California. Unfortunately, they were exposed to numerous infections and diseases and were eventually removed from their land. Thank you, white folks. White, white white people like that's that's the best part like we you hear that stuff and they're like they were removed from their land and it's like so you just came in and you just like put a stick down and you're like this is mine like let someone come into my house and do that and i'm like get the hell out of here i don't like yep exactly like i it's uh, we're not gonna go down that road because it, 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 deep dark rabbit hole if we get into that now <laughs> exactly so uh keep the gabrielle leno and the tonva tribe in mind as now we we're gonna go into the ghost stuff of the graber olive house okay so as mentioned there are a couple of unknown spirits reportedly hanging around the graber olive house according to the desert sun article by kathy strong when the Darklands Paranormal uh, Investigation Team went to do their own investigation at the Graber Olive House, they captured a dark shadow figure hanging out in the back of the vats. So remember, the vats are like those big concrete things. They have their own designated room. And apparently, this paranormal team caught like this weird shadow figure in the room kind of hanging out within the vats. God. So this figure is believed or has been apparently believed to be cliff graber number one the og uh presumably he said i'm gonna stay here even in my afterlife (laughs) i'm not going anywhere (laughs) i'm not retired i'm still working (laughs) exactly uh so they think that cliff may be kind of hanging around just making sure that everything's still running smoothly this that and the other which is kind of like okay like fair enough i get it you do you do your thing I'll do mine. Yeah. That's fine. See, it's the ghost like that. I'm like, we can live in harmony. That's fine. Exactly. However, because <laughs> of, of course, however, of course, of course however, uh, <laughs> others believe that the spirit in the vat room isn't Cliff, potentially something more sinister. So regardless of whether they're the same entity or not, there's a lot of spooky to break down here. So as mentioned, we're going to be talking about our good old pals at Ghost Adventures and mostly focusing on their investigation however there are a couple of other paranormal teams i think like one or two that i also looked into them as well and their their own olive graber house investigation and just a heads up i'm going to be referencing the ghost adventures a lot coming up so i love credit credit so i'm I'm, all for that so during their investigation back in 2020 i think it was pre-covid i I will have the actual date later on. But anyways, the crew investigated the property where in the beginning they shared their personal connection to the Graber Olive House. So Zach spoke to Robert Graber uh, and brought up how friends and previous investigators, Mark and Debbie Constantino, once investigated the property prior to the Ghost Adventures crew being there. Mm-hmm. Zach asked Robert if he recalled when the Constantinos uh, were there and like what they did and what kind of happened, what have you, in which Robert explains that when they were there, one person in their group got so spooked that they left the property during the investigation, literally just got in the car and left. And as far as Robert reported, there was no explanation. Like they just got the fuck out of there. Like something happened. No one knows what exactly happened. Like, they didn't say anything. They were just like, no. oh, yeah, I'm out of here. I'm all set on this. <laughs> yeah, like, this was fun, but it's not so... Uh, <laughs> it's not fun eat. anymore. <laughs> I want to go <Yeah>. home. 
I'm going to eat myself out of this situation. Thank you. So needless to say, not a good start right off the hop. Uh, Right after Robert explains this to Zach and the crew, a fire alarm randomly starts going off. Robert shares that this isn't a common occurrence for it to randomly go off. So that was really spooky timing. Like it was just, it was weird. Uh, I will acknowledge quick the story of the Constantinos because it's tragic and a reminder that things aren't always as they seem on camera. They never are. They never are. Oh, of course not. So the couple were known to go on various paranormal shows such as Ghost Adventures because they were considered to be EVP experts. However, off screen, things were getting really intense between the couple, which eventually did apparently spill on camera to like on camera bickering. Mm -hmm. I don't remember like when i saw a picture of them i'm like yeah i kind of remember them from ghost adventures but i don't remember any like picking up anything from those episodes but mind you then again that was before all the the shit i'm about to tell you went on so yeah and now i bet if you watch it back you're like oh okay i see now (laughs) exactly exactly so according to the distractify article by allison kachish several domestic violence incidences were documented sometime in 2012 Three years later, on September 22nd, 2015, Debbie's roommate, James Anderson, was found shot dead in their shared apartment. I'm not sure if Debbie and um, her and Mark were separated at this point in time, but she was living with James. Oh, God. So he was found dead. Responding officers apparently found Mark barricaded uh, inside the home with Debbie, where he would eventually kill her before killing himself, according again to the Distractify article by Allison Kashish. So needless to say, the fact that the... Yeah. Yeah. It's... There was a lot... Like, I could have gone deeper into this because there was a lot of theories as to what was going on. I mean, obviously, we acknowledge that it was domestic abuse. That was what happened. But there were some people who thought that something supernatural yeah. yeah which at the end of the day it's still domestic abuse like definitely. you know so um definitely if you're interested in that i would recommend anyone listening to look into it more it's a really tragic case and obviously something that until doing this research i feel like i heard about it but it didn't really register and then when i did the research for this episode i was like holy shit yeah what why don't I remember this exactly like it feels like a felt like a fever dream I was like I remember hearing about this but I didn't like vaguely and like passing exactly so yeah the information I got regarding Constantinos was primarily from that distractify article by Allison Kashish uh needless to say that fire alarm going off super spooky especially when they were kind of like just ending the conversation and then all of a sudden bam it went off so Back to the episode. We're then introduced to another another identity of the dark shadow figure in the vat room. The identity is referred to as the creeper. And this is what Robert refers to the shadow figure identity as, which I find interesting. The creeper. That See, once you give them names, it also makes them scoop, spookier. Because they're like, oh, now it has an identity. <laughs> exactly, right? Like, as, as soon as you give a name to something, it, it becomes something bigger. Exactly. So the name was given based on the fact that staff had reportedly seen this figure creeping around the corners in the vats. It's also been reportedly shared that people have seen the figure coming out of the vats and climbing the ceiling, which doesn't sit well on my... That reminds me of... uh, 
Which one? It's one of the Conjuring movies, but oh. it's like the girl like crawls up the freaking wall and she's like, ah, just looks super creepy. Oh my god, that's terrifying. Was it uh, number two? Like the one I when they so. were the Enfield Poltergeist? Yes. That one. Yes. Oh, she, yes. She like, climbs mm-hmm. up the wall and then she's like, like hisses at them. It's like, okay. Which, I mean, that's a fair response when you don't want to talk to people, but don't do it from the ceiling. <laughs> you know? Like, you're <laughs> like, goodbye. <laughs> I feel like that's if you just. That's a way to clear a room. You that is some walls and hiss at people. They're gonna be like, "Yeah, I'm getting the hell out of here." You know what? I don't need to borrow that shirt. I I will call yeah, you I'm and okay. just lose my number. Lose my number. It's okay. It's fine. I won't be. <laughs> I won't be upset anymore. It's fine. No. So disturbingly enough, during the time of filming, Zach had confirmed with Robert that apparently several of his staff had passed away over recent years. After having experiences with the creeper. So further in the episode, Robert goes on to explain that his staff would disclose experiences from being touched by something that wasn't there to randomly tripping over essentially nothing or feeling like they were, I think, being tripped, like they were tripping over something, but nothing would be there. See, the minute you start touching me, I'm out of there. I don't. I'll I'll find a new job. No. Yeah. That's too much. Like, just knowing that you're like seeing weird shit. I'm like, okay, whatever. Like. Exactly. You're not touching me. You're not doing it. But the minute you start touching me, leave marks on me, uh, nope, I don't care where we are. If I'm at my house, if I'm at my employment, if I'm wherever I am, I'm leaving. Goodbye. Bye. Goodbye. <laughs> that's my. That's me quitting right there. <laughs> right then and there. And to be honest, I feel like consent should apply to both worlds, the, the living and the dead. <laughs> so if anything's touching me, no. <laughs> yeah, if anything's touching me that's, you know, from the other side... You didn't ask for my consent, dear. I'm sorry. No means no. You're assaulting me. Exactly. A thousand percent. So yeah, it, it, it's kind of un, unnerving, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zach would go on to investigate um, another paranormal investigator, so not one from his team, obviously, uh, by the name of Scott Alt. Scott shared that when he was there doing an investigation previously, he witnessed two women in attendance trying to invoke the creeper. According to Scott, a mysterious force shoved one of the ladies. He further explained that this woman left the investigation and would reportedly stop doing paranormal investigations altogether, presumably due to this experience. Yeah, I mean, yeah, definitely. Exactly. (laughs) Like, obviously. (laughs) Exactly. So Zach goes on to investigate uh, Kenny Janu's. Uh, Kitty was another paranormal investigator who did an investigation with the Constantinos when they were at the Graber Olive House. According to Kitty, she was up in the loft while Mark and Debbie were down below kind of doing their own thing. Mm -hmm. Kitty claims that she saw a cigar-shaped humanoid figure crawling up the wall in her peripheral. Kitty shared more about this figure in a direct quote from the episode... This is something that has never walked the earth in human form. Kitty went on and called it an elemental spirit. An elemental spirit, according to the Faith Writers website in another direct quote, uh, are essentially spiritual forces that attach themselves to a physical area of human endeavor, affecting the area of their influence in a negative way. So essentially, not a good spirit. Definitely not. It's not not one there that wants to... uh break bread with you by any means absolutely not does not want to break bread does not want to dip said bread in olive oil (laughs) 
no olive oil. No. But like my thing is like cigar shaped. That's very yeah. specific. It was that's very, very cylindrical, and then it's crawling, so it also has arms and legs. And so I'm just thinking of like my dad's cigars having arms and legs and like that alone creeps me out <laughs> just sending you to a place in your brain that you didn't think existed so to speak no, and now every time i see him smoking one i'm gonna be like <laughs> can you like not <laughs> like not when i'm around what, where are the arms and the legs of your cigar right. dad what That's is happening? <laughs> What's going on? Uh, so now all of us are probably wondering, okay, so Kitty saw this. Why the hell didn't she take, like, a photo? Because she was there with, like, she was in the loft with three other people. And I think the three other people that were there had also reported seeing this thing. So why didn't anyone take a picture? That was yeah, my first question. First, especially in nowadays, the first thing I'm doing is taking out, I'm going to snap that freaking photo and then I'm running. <laughs> it's really quick. Exactly. Exactly. So Kitty explained that in the episode, uh, or in the episode, sorry, she explains that she believes that the figure had somehow sent them an unspoken message to basically not acknowledge it further, or it would cause some potential harm. So maybe the thing kind of set off a vibe that like, hey, if you snap a photo of me, I'm going to fuck you up. Yeah. And And they were like, well, um, (laughs) we'll just all agree we saw that and we're just going to keep going. (laughs) Yes. Smile and nod. Smile and nod. Yes. Turn away. J- just turn away. Just You know, we're just exactly. not going to look over there. <laughs> exactly. So Kitty went on to share to Zach that after the investigation, she experienced homicidal ideations, something she has never experienced until she went to the Graber Olive House, which that's alarming. That's not, also not really something you want to, I feel like, admit on camera. It's like, no. I'm feeling like I want to kill people. And it's like, can, are, I don't Should we want call to cops? around you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's weird because there are so many, um, like, investigations where people will leave and they'll be very agitated or almost, yeah, almost homicidal. And it's interesting how the paranormal can make that emotional change like it's so yeah. it, like that whole aspect of like paranormal and investigation like how they affect your emotions yeah and, stuff and like your personality exactly that's fascinating yeah scary but fascinating uh, <laughs> other pieces of terrifying evidence. but it's whatever uh, terrifying exactly uh so other pieces of evidence include two photos that are described uh as a boy um kind of like way back in one of the, like in the labeling room. So it's like a shadowy figure of what people have described as a boy. The photos captured by paranormal investigator Marco Santucci show what I can only describe is a red dot, because it's a ball, like a red ball, uh, being held up by a shadowy figure. Regardless, some posing, which is like holding it up in the air. Yeah, it's like, take a, it's like take yeah, a just kind of like hanging out. <laughs> He's just hanging yeah. out. He's just like up there. <laughs> the lighting in here is so nice. Can you take a picture <laughs> of me and my red ball? Can you just snap one real quick? I want to post it to my spirit Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag sure, life. Can I airdrop it to you? <laughs> <laughs> do you have Do you have airdrop on? Okay, we'll, we'll wait to put it on. You have an Android? Sorry, I can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> I can't help you there. So, essentially, this shadowy boy figure uh, claimed that is a spirit by the name of Luke. Marco told the Ghost Adventures crew in the episode that he apparently also caught an EVP where he asks if Luke is around, in which you can hear a faint, 
Yeah. In the recording. <laughs> That's the, I EVPs, those give send like tingles down my spine, especially when like someone asks a direct question and you can hear like a direct answer. It's those that they're like, what's your name? And they're like blue, purple, red. And it's like, how do you? And they're like, wow, look, it's talking to us. I'm like, no, it's I know, not. <laughs> I know. And we'll, we'll get to that later because there was uh, one investigation where that kind of happened. And I'm like, stretch. Yeah, you're like, that's okay, you're you're stretching it. Exactly. So, as mentioned, not really sure who this Luke character is. They, like, some of the episodes and, like, some of the things I've watched, because I felt like I I had to watch a lot more than read a lot more for this, because in terms of, like, ghostly encounters, there wasn't a lot documented Mm -hmm. in articles or what have you. It was more so videos, which is is good. I'm not complaining, but... There was no, like, in-depth, like, oh, this is the spirit. This is where they came from. This, that, and the other. So we don't know who Luke is, but Zach seems to think that he may be the creeper trying to impersonate a child, which then kind of gives a nod to the whole fact that it's an elemental spirit and it's not necessarily a positive thing because I find... It's almost like shapeshift. Yeah, and I find with a lot of, like, negative spirits, so, for example, you know, um, like demons, I know demons are their own thing, but demons will try to portray a child to try and get you to interact with it, and then once it has you kind of in its grips, it's like, plot twist, I'm a demon, right? Right, so... I think biggest that, character development. <laughs> exactly. And I think that's maybe what's going well, that that's what Zach seems to think what's going on there. And I am also kind of like, yeah, I can see it. I see where the thought process, you know. Yeah. Uh so the Ghost Adventures crew is trying to determine who or what the creeper is in their video. Based on what Kitty said about being an elemental, they try to connect uh, that with the information of the Tonva tribe. So essentially, Jay from the Ghost Adventures crew found out that the Tonva tribe used to believe in medicine people and shamans. Mm -hmm. He further explained how in his research, he found a line where they said that the shamans or medicine people would essentially shapeshift from a human to animal, which this could potentially, yeah, this, this could potentially explain the creeper. Uh, since it's been described as being not necessarily human-like, even though some have said they thought it was maybe the OG cliff based on the figure. It's not... Because even the way Kitty describes it, like, it's a cigar shape, which, yes, people can have, like, that kind of body shape where maybe they have broad shoulders but really skinny yeah. legs. But I'm wondering if it is some kind of spirit that has the ability to shapeshift. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's not, like, Depending tangible... Depending on what they want you to see... That's exactly. It is. So then, yeah, it would make sense that it could be one of those people in the afterlife who can still right? do it. Yeah. So, which is even creepier now, too. It's like someone like, also would love to be able to shape shift. I feel like that would be kind of cool. But, like, oh my gosh, thousand percent. Well, to a degree. Like, I wouldn't want to shape shift from a human to like a rat, you know? Definitely like, I'm not, not. No, or like a, a human to like a, like a tick. I don't no. want to be. Anything well, something cool. Yeah, like, like shift a shift to a dog. Like, oh, that would be nice. Percent or like an eagle for like something. A day. Yeah, just just for a minimum twenty four hours, just to see what it's like. Call it a day. Get some treats in. Do some right? cool shit, get and then sleep my day away. No one bother exactly. me. Exactly. A thousand percent. That's that's the life that we're we're looking to lead. We all want to live. I know we're not. We're not like what's her name working at ninety two years old. 
exactly. I don't want to be working a day after 60. <laughs> nope, I would like to retire. I'm 23 years old and I'm already counting the days down. <laughs> Ma'am, you have no idea. I literally, every year, I'm like, all right, one year off. Here we go. <laughs> You're off. Like, keep it going. <laughs> so, other spooky things that uh, could, uh, go on in the good old Ghost Adventure uh, episode include an EVP of a child saying help. A ball of light appearing where the photo of Luke was taken. The crew reported feeling cold spots on and off throughout the investigation. Aaron reportedly saw multiple shadow people moving in front of him and apparently heard a crash in front of him in the VAT room. Zach reported seeing a black shadowy torso. Not a whole body, just the fucking torso. torso. Just the torso nearby the VAT room. It didn't fully shape shift yet. No, it was, but like, it was like it like stopped mid because he was there, and so all it was was just a torso. <laughs> You're just trying to develop, and then he sees Zach. He's like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> like a raccoon when you see them, they like yeah. freeze. <laughs> they drop their like you know crusted like crust pizza crust or whatever, and they're like, yes, "Oh, they found in the trash," and they're like, "Don't look at me! <laughs> Don't look at me!" So uh, Aaron then goes on to say that he had reported reports hearing voices such as mumbling right in his ears, which that's unsettling. That that's too close. Personal bubble. Okay. Yep. <laughs> consent. Consent is a consent is a wonderful personal thing. bubble. Get the fuck out of my ear. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Uh, Zach Zach captures a small figure on the SLS camera behind a closed vat. Apparently, one of the only ones that was closed. After this, Zach and Aaron hear a low snarl near one of the vats. Billy then decides to stay in the vat room alone. And, at, you know, which power to Billy because, oh, okay. Yeah, uh, I, when they do stuff like that, I'm like, you're crazy if you think I you would are, like being by myself. They said, have fun getting thrown to the wolves. <laughs> Good luck to you. Exactly. Good luck. Exactly. Uh, Billy claimed to hear, and this is a direct quote from the episode, something heavy being thrown approximately 20 feet from him before he essentially yeeted himself out of that room. <laughs> he screaming. Himself. Oh, yeah. He lost it. He, and I felt like I laughed, but I felt bad for the guy because I'm like, that poor, like, I'd be, petro- I'd be pissing my pants. Yeah. Uh, he runs out of there screaming, get me the fuck out of here. Like, the, enough is enough. The yeah. fuck. Re- reached his breaking point. Exactly. So after, like, he goes to kind of, like, their nerve center, which is, like, their kind of huddle where all their technology Equipment. is. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Aaron and Zach go to where Billy was, and they claim that there was an odor of something that had died. Like, they're like, holy shit, something reeks in here. Like, something has died, which is interesting because some people report that uh, demons, yeah, demons give I was off just really say that they give off a really bad smell sometimes, right? Usually it's sulfur, but I mean it could just be plain old death, right? Like I don't think. I mean it's a demon, so it definitely signifies it, death. So it would make sense. Exactly. Uh, they later determined one of the vat lids was randomly thrown when Billy had heard, like when Billy had heard it, it was one of the vat lids randomly. Like it wasn't anyone else in the room. It was just like randomly like flew against the wall. Yeah. Like it threw itself. Cause once again, there was no other person in the room. It was just Billy. <laughs> I know. So like, not here for it. So that was the ghost adventures episode in a nutshell. Jesus. Now I want to go back and watch it because they have like all of them on Hulu. 
So you know what I'll be watching oh, tonight. Yeah. See, I'm praying for the day that Discovery Plus comes to Canada because I want it so fucking badly. Yeah. But I, they just haven't released it yet. But maybe I'll have to look at Hulu. Who Definitely. Knows? Yeah, because I know Hulu has it, but Discovery Plus is going to be freaking amazing. I, I want to sign up soon because we oh. have it now in the United States. Sometimes I always forget that you're in, like, a whole nother country. I know. I am. And I know. I'm like, I'm like, wait, you don't, oh, that's right. You don't live in the United States. <laughs> yeah, so um, moving on to another paranormal investigation team that went out uh, called Supernatural Productions. In their video, they had claimed to interact with the spirits known as Mary, Jake, Inez, and Luke. Once again, mm-hmm. not a lot of like information regarding who these people were, like who the spirits were in particular, but like that's just all the information we got kind of got out of it, so to speak. Yeah. So during their investigation, the Supernatural Productions crew appeared to be doing an EVP and I think a spirit box session in the loft and asked Mary, Jake, and Luke, not sure which one specifically, if they like toys, which when which is when you can hear the word store via the spirit box. So like I don't know. I kind of thought, okay, well, maybe they're asking to like toy store. store. Yeah, maybe, but kind of doesn't really match up with what they're asking. So I'd be like, that's a stretch. Right. So further, when the investigate investigators are asking if any of the spirits knew if Inez was around and if she was once a nice lady, maybe she was like an employee. I don't know. Yeah. One of the investigators, Adam, reported feeling as though their arm had been touched before the word scent could be heard. And that's S-E-N-T. Weird. Yeah. So when the Supernatural Productions crew had asked if there was anyone trying to communicate with them, the word carrier could be heard. Once again, doesn't match up, though. It doesn't really match. And, like, that's the thing. I feel like for a crisp EVP session, you have to have something that automatically right off the hop makes sense. As opposed to if you have to, like, think of a connection for a long period of time after the EVP session. It doesn't make sense anymore. No, because then you lose its credibility. Exactly. Your brain, the human brain always tries to see patterns and connections to things. It's just how we adapt and how we work. So if exactly. you're forcing that to happen, it's like, why? why? It, it just loses that credibility, like you said. Definitely. So that's kind of the all I kind of got of the Supernatural Productions crew video. But uh, in an, another video, which I wouldn't consider this one paranormal by any means, YouTuber Jerry James, who uploaded their video, Ontario, California, the historic Graber Olive House, old artifacts, the vat room on... <laughs> Yeah, I love YouTube video, like, titles oh, sometimes. Like, so extra. I know. <laughs> I know. It's, like, perfect. Amazing. You, you go go, <laughs> go you. for the most. <laughs> the the literally absolute, did the most. The absolute yeah. most. So, Jerry uploaded this video on March 18th, 2019, uh, in which he kind of, he reported getting, like, a spooky vibe when he was doing the tour, which is interesting, because he's not, like, he doesn't portray himself from what I gathered looking through his YouTube channel as like a paranormal investigator or anything like yeah. that. But when he was on the site, he said, and I, and this is a direct quote, it's kind of spooky in here. I'm hearing a lot of noises. What the hit? The video it was filmed during the day is mostly kind of focusing on the history of the site and giving a tour almost for those who are interested in kind of like wanting to see what it is before they go. So to speak. So once again, it's not 
like a paranormal paranormal video. They're not going there to like investigate. They were just going there to like check out the place. Exactly. Exactly. So another YouTube video uploaded by a user, and this is a this is Chef's Kiss. It's SpongeBob, but it's spelled S P zero N G E B O six. But it's supposed to be SpongeBob. What? <laughs> I know. Some someone was like, you know what? I really want to be SpongeBob, but I can't legally, so I'm gonna do my own thing. I love the the uh, originality. Right. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so they uploaded this video, which was kind of like a copy or recording of the My Ghost Story show, which pre- I think used to premiere on Bio. I, once again, don't remember it. I don't know if it was a thing yeah. in Canada or just the States. I don't know. Uh, but the video clip gives us a full-on picture of supposedly the creeper. So Steve Bowler, uh, a camera operator, shares his experience filming for the show and explained how he was getting footage of the Graber Olive House for an episode. Oh, God. So Steve further shared that he was using his own camera, taking a few shots around the place. So doing his thing, you know, just, I don't know. Doing camera- Yeah, whatever. Production shit. I don't know. <laughs> camera production photographer shit, whatever that is. Exactly. Whatever, whatever y'all do, do it. Uh, when Steve was taking photos in the VAT room, he unsurprisingly captured this dark shadow figure in one of the corners of the VAT room in three different shots. So he didn't get one, he didn't get two, he got three fucking shots of this thing. Oh, that's good. See, that's what I like to see. The right? proof. The proof of the pudding. Proof of the pudding. A thousand percent. Speaking of this pudding, this pudding is thick. Like, this, <laughs> sh- this shadow figure, I'm not here to bash Steve's like, what am I trying to say? To me, it looks so thick that it doesn't look like a typical shadow figure. I'm not a shadow figure expert. That's not on my resume. <laughs> That's not your uh, forte. No, I don't have a degree in shadow figures. But I will say it's a thick-ass shadow figure. Like, it looks chunky. It looks like... I'm going to say it looks like a person. Oh, God. But, like, it looks like a person, but it doesn't look like a person. So, that once again, it gives a nod to, like, it could be an elemental, right? Like, I don't fucking yeah. know. It's, all I can say is that it's thick. It's not see-through. It's spooky. It looks weird as hell. Wait, what was the name of the show again? Because now I want to see it. Uh, now I'm like, my my ghost story. Was it the Olive? Olive Graber House. Graber House. Because now I'm like. I want to see this freaking picture. Oh, perfect. Reddit. It says Reddit's the first thing that comes up. Of course. Caught on tape. The Creeper at Graber Olive House. Yes. Oh, I have the YouTube video. I will be watching this later because now I'm freaking stoked because I want to see this. Okay. Message me. So it's like a thick, thick shadow. It's not just like your shadow when you're like in the sun. No, it is a thick ass shadow figure a thousand percent like and so did he know that he was like videotaping it or like he like took them and like was it like after the fact he looked at the pictures and was like oh shit she thick yeah after the fact (laughs) (laughs) she thick after the fact after the fact you know, I and to be honest, like, I feel like that's even more scary. Well, I don't know. I feel like both situations would be scary, either knowing it's there and taking the photo. But then there's also like a really sinister like, oh, I took the photo and then I looked at my camera after looking directly on at the area. Yeah. 
and see and then seeing it in the photo like either way it's spooky as hell see then that that reminds me of i forgot what scary what the scary movie was called you know you know the movie the conjuring um of course the guy who plays um the main paranormal investigator his mind's going out of my brain right now but he's in another scary movie and like at the end of it his wife takes a picture of him and like she looks at the camera and his face is like shifted into like a demon do you you know the movie i'm talking about right yes thank you i almost said i almost said the conjuring and i was like no it's not the conjuring it's something else but fuck the Insidious movies because I cannot listen to Tiptoe Through the Tulips. Not that I would listen to it regularly, but Tiptoe no. Through the Tulips by Tiny it's Tim. Ruined. ruined. You hear that and you're like, I'm about to die. Like, dead ass. It's not like, a, it's a cute child. So, no, it's not. No, no it's mm-hmm. not. I don't want to Tip- hear it. Where are the demons? Because that's just what it yep. means. <laughs> Tiptoe Through the Tulips to my motherfucking grave because something <laughs> behind me is going to come and get me. Exactly. And I'm going to die. No, mm-mm, not here for it <laughs> at all. Mm. At fucking all. Uh, to summarize this location, uh, obviously it's jam-packed with history and spooky occurrences. Some things that we were able to kind of identify as being definitely spooky, potential of it actually happening, some things that kind of left more questions, but ultimately it's a spooky place. It's a spooky it place. And it yeah not great vibes however i would say or will say in a post-covid world i definitely want to go check it out during the day just to kind of get like the history because i like old places and like you know learning about the history and what have you and meeting people maybe taste testing maybe taste testing one or two olives some olive oil (laughs) exactly dipping the bread what have you am i going Uh, to that room though you're out of your fucking mind absolutely not not leave me alone in there i don't want to see it i don't want to hear it (laughs) (laughs) no thank you uh so shout out to my resources so shout out to the travel channel website the ghost adventures episode the graber farm entity the graber olive house website newspapers.com uh south ontario news article the graber olive house still going strong by cheryl whitman on page 35 on march 20th 1991 the youtube video haunted graber olive house uploaded by supernatural productions on february 24th 2016 uh youtube video olive graber house ontario uploaded uploaded by inland empire explorer on january 22nd 2014 the another youtube video uh by jerry james on march 18th 2019 once again that was the historic graber olive house old artifacts the that room uh the ghost adventures episode list by imdb.com ghost adventures episode 11 season 20 the graber farm entity which aired may 7th 2020 so i feel like They probably filmed it early 2020, if not late 2019, pre-COVID. and then, like, had showed it. Exactly. I posted it, but I was like, they're on TV, and they're not a podcast, (laughs) Christina. (laughs) (laughs) If Zach Fagan comes out with his own podcast, I'm going to be so mad. I'm going to listen to it. Like, we need to do a CMP, WDP and Ghost Adventures crossover immediately. <laughs> immediately. And I need him to be as extra as all fuck. Oh, 100%. 100%. Uh, 
Because if he's not, then it's not worth it. I'm sorry. It's not worth it. Then I'll just be no. disappointed. I'll be like, you're not who I thought you were. Bye. The fame <laughs> has changed you. <laughs> the fame has changed you. Exactly. Uh, the Desert Sun article, Haunted Olives in Ontario by Kathy Strong, October 25th, 2015. The Distractify article, which is about the Mark and Debbie Constantino incident. So the title is What Happened to Mark and Debbie from Ghost Adventures? It's a Tragic Story uh, by Allison Kashish on May, 9th, or May 10th, 2019. The Tonva People website by Sam Villa, Faith Writers website, and finally, the YouTube video My Ghost Story Caught on Tape, The Creeper, uploaded by SpongeBob, that's spelled S P zero O. Oh, sorry, SP0NGEBO6, <laughs> which was uploaded July 10th, 2012. Shout out Thank to you, SpongeBob. You. Yes, specifically SpongeBob. Thank yeah, you so specifically much. Specifically SpongeBob. <laughs> Christina, could you tell our fine listeners where they could find your podcast and where they can find you? Yes, they can find me on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. They can find me on Amazon Podcasts. They can find me on YouTube. I think I would name them all. Um, I have my own Instagram. It's uh, at the CMP Podcast um, and my own Facebook. There is a Twitter, but I just like Instagram better personally, so you'll definitely see me more active on Instagram. But, yeah, they can find me there. And thank you so much for having me. Listeners, may I have a round of applause for Alex for doing oh. a fantastic job. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. I'm so happy we were able to get together, and I can't wait me to too. come on your show. And um, Yes. Hear about some true crime, because, yeah, we definitely love the fact that we're both into paranormal and true crime. I think it is a great, great little connection. So definitely, speak. definitely. Because it I like both. So it was like, why am I just gonna pick one? I want to do both of them because they're both equally as interesting. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And if you are listening for the first time, you can find us, Weird Distractions, pretty much everywhere. If you type in Weird Distractions Podcast on Google, you will be taken to a plethora of uh, podcast platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Anchor, blah, 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 all, all those great ones. Yeah. Um in terms of getting a hold of us, Facebook, Twitter, on Twitter, we are Weird Distract I1, Instagram, I think it's just Weird Distractions Podcast. If you have feedback or want to just say hi, Weird Distractions Podcast at Outlook.com. I think that's it. We have merch. We're on Patreon. You can find they literally are, just, they are, You can find them everywhere. Just, they are just everywhere. Google. Just Google, honestly. Just, just Google me. Just Google me. Thanks again, Christina, for joining us. Thank and as always, if you need a distraction, we got you. Bye. Bye. Folklore. Fairy tales. Legends. These are traditions from time immemorial passed from generation to generation. They explain the unknown. They warn against danger. They guide our moral fiber, instilling in us a sense of purpose and goodness. These tales are central to our very being, reminding us that we're one and the same. There is a magic in these stories. So we want to bring these tales to you 
to take you into the fold. You'll learn. You'll grow. And the best part? We're making it all up. That's right. We're completely full of shit. Join us for Down to Folk at DTF Stories across all social media, DTFStories.com, and wherever podcasts are found.